0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 22nd of February, and my name is Helen Freer. The much-anticipated NVIDIA results were reported last night after the close in the US, and we also got the Fed's latest meeting minutes. I'll be speaking first of all this morning to Roman Canciani about this and all the latest market news. David Cole, our chief economist, is back on the podcast, and we'll be getting his latest thoughts on what the latest inflation numbers for the US and Switzerland mean for the central banks in these countries. And Nicola Jordan joins us today as Well, to update us on the latest news from the CIO office. But we will start with the market news, and that is with Roman. Good morning, Roman.
1: Good morning, Helen.
0: So I think yesterday's trading could be described as the calm before the storm. Um, In the absence of meaningful economic data, it seemed everyone was really waiting for the evening news. Uh, Firstly, the Federal Reserve's January minutes, and secondly, of course, Nvidia, the company at the heart of the AI revolution, who reported earnings after the close of trading in New York. Um, But before we get to that, perhaps you could give us a quick roundup of the action during European trading hours.
1: Uh, Yes, sure, Helen. Well, overall, European markets were mixed yesterday. And if you just looked at the overall index performance, you you would think that it was a no-news day. But there was quite a bit of action beneath the surface. So banks, for example, underperformed sharply after HSBC, which ended the day down more than 8% in London, reported an 80% slump in fourth quarter profits and commodities company Bancor and uh, Rio Tinto, the world's biggest iron ore miner, also traded lower on weak earnings. Meanwhile, Carrefour, the uh, French grocer, rose uh, not on the back of better-than-expected figures, in fact, the uh, sales are disappointed, but on the announcement of a significant share buyback. So overall, the broader European stock market closed a little lighter, with the stock 600 index closing down 0.2%, just three points off its all-time high reach in early January 2022.
0: Right. Let's turn to NVIDIA now and its earnings results. The fear in the market ahead of the earnings release after the close in the US was that the most important stock on planet Earth, as some analysts have dubbed it, could rock the markets given its heavy weighting in several high-profile stock indices. So how did the company do and how did the markets digest the news?
1: Well, yes, uh, NVIDIA has delivered yet another eye-popping set of results, uh, beating the average revenue forecast for the last quarter by a wide margin and also providing yet another upbeat sales forecast. So compared to one year ago, the chipmaker's revenue grew by a record 265%. Shares in NVIDIA were up around 9% in after-hours trading. So it really looks uh, this morning that like the AI rally has some fuel left in it.
0: Let's not forget about the other big news from last night, though, the release of the Federal Reserve's January meeting minutes. Markets had been eagerly awaiting these, uh, hoping for some indication of when the Federal Reserve's rate setting committee would finally be confident enough to cut interest rates. So what did the minutes reveal, Roman, and how did the U.S. Treasury market react?
1: Yes, uh, well, there's definitely less euphoria in the fixed income markets at the moment than there is in the AI space. And look, well, the last meeting of the Federal Reserve took place at the end of January, before all the very strong reports on the U.S. labor market and inflation at the beginning of February. So. The minutes showed that even then, most officials were more concerned about the risk of cutting rates too soon, rather than keeping them a bit higher for longer and risking a few percentage points of growth in the US. So this was somewhat sobering news for traders and this morning, 10-year US Treasury yields are around 4.30, while two-year yields are at 4.65, both higher than yesterday.
0: Let's move on from the US and talk about Asia now. In yesterday's trading, equities in China rallied strongly on the back of renewed attempts by policymakers there to support their stock market and in particular the property sector, right?
1: Yes, that's right. And uh, even more came after the close of trading yesterday with the China Securities Regulatory Commission banning large investors from reducing their holdings at the open and close of each trading day. So just another pretty strong measure to prop up local stock markets. And this has certainly helped Chinese stocks this morning as well, with both the Hong Kong Hang Seng Index and the Onshore China CSI 300 Index uh, trading comfortably in the green when I checked a few minutes ago. But the big story in Asia this morning is Japan, where the Nikkei 225 finally managed to surpass its 1989 high, ending the day up another 2.2% on a sentiment boost to tech stocks after the Nvidia results and a generally weak yen. One analyst I read this morning said that the Japanese market has everything it needs right now, structural tailwinds such as geopolitics and the corporate reform, and also plenty of high-quality companies and uh, weak currency.
0: Just finally then, let's look into the crystal ball. What do investors need to look out for today?
1: Well yes, after yesterday's quiet day on the macro side, things are set to pick up today. Eurozone, S&P Global Services and Manufacturing PMIs are among the data to be released. We also have US existing home sales and uh, last but on this, we also have some Fed speak again today with Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari's latest thoughts on inflation and the state of the economy likely to generate a lot of headlines. And uh, we have already had some of uh, the big European companies reporting this morning. Nestle is out with its figures and forecasts uh, for slower sales growth this year. Mercedes has posted low profits but raised its dividend and announced a share buyback. And French insurance company AXA has posted solid results and announced that it will return a staggering six billion euros of last year's profits uh, to investors. This is about 75% of its total profits last year. And uh, last but not least, uh, a quick glance at the future screens shows that the U.S. equity markets are likely to open sharply higher today, uh, probably recouping the losses from the first half of this week. That's it for me.
0: Excellent. Thanks very much, Roman, for the nice roundup this morning.
1: Thank you very much, Helen.
0: Now, David, great to have you back on the podcast. Good morning, firstly.
2: Good morning, Helen.
0: We got a strong U.S. inflation print for January, which I'd say has challenged uh, the rate cut expectations. You're expecting the first rate cuts by the Federal Reserve to be in May. Is that right?
2: That's correct. And um, when it comes to rate cut expectations, yes, they have shifted sharply, like the, the majority of market participants uh, looked for March, actually. And then there was a speech from Jerome Powell who said odds oh, will not be March. And then the inflation numbers probably did the trick uh, really for market expectations to shifting at not only to May, but the right now pricing is uh, really for June. Uh, so quite a big change in market expectations when rates will be cut. But the good news is definitely that this year is probably still a year of rate cuts. So this remains in place.
0: I've already talked about it a bit with Roman. Uh, the FOMC meeting minutes for January that came out last night. Any first comments there from you? Anything to highlight?
2: Well, as Roman said, they are uh, backwards looking because they are end of January, so ahead of the CPI prints we have seen, the PPI prints we have seen. Um, so there, I think the opinion had been quite balanced. Uh, it's still the questions if uh, uh, is a risk cutting too early or maintaining too long on the restrictive stance of monetary policy. And then, of course, uh, there's also um, what we see from them, and it's quite a focus on market action, on market performance. Uh, why? Well, because the good equity markets uh, are helping, actually, to ease this monetary conditions overall. It's, so it's not only interest rates which are the Fed is determined, but also the financial conditions and monetary conditions which contribute uh, to the effect of the of the monetary policy to the economy, and uh, of course, uh, good equity markets, uh, good financial markets overall. Uh, they actually ease financial conditions. Even the Fed has not done anything, uh, and this had been a big part of uh, the discussion in the FOMC. Uh, so, um, also be here sensitive to adapt for the expectations regarding rate cuts. Uh, how the financial markets are actually developing.
0: Now, in Switzerland, we've seen an unexpected fall in inflation in January. So what does this mean for the Swiss National Bank now?
2: Yeah, for the Swiss, um, and it's quite interesting, actually, to compare uh, Swiss inflation and then the US inflation. There's one common denominator, and that's all the imported inflation. Uh, coming off from, from the global disinflationary backdrop, most lastly due China, that's visible in the China, in the uh, in the US inflation numbers. That's also visible in the Swiss inflation numbers. The big difference is that all these like more administered uh, domestic prices they surprised in the US on the upside, and in Switzerland to the downside. Uh, that's usually prices which are adjusted more or less once a year, January February. Uh, that's the sensitive months. And here we have seen the big surprise. And when nothing happens also in February, then indeed uh, Swiss inflation is pretty low. We expect it now to be for the full year at 1.3%. It's well below uh, what the Swiss National Bank is targeting. And this, of course, opens uh, the space for for rate cuts for the Swiss National Bank. Um, Does the Swiss National Bank need to cut rates? Well, we are quite below um, international uh, rate levels, uh, one75 um, but the Swiss National Bank sees also that the uh, Swiss franc is probably a too strong currency right now uh, in the environment where growth is slowing. Um, so um, we think they have now an additional tool uh, to really to stop the Swiss franc to appreciate even further from here. And uh, we expect that they will cut rates already in March by 25 basis points because the environment allows to do so. And also in June by 25 basis points Um, with higher inflation, this would have not been possible.
0: Thanks very much, David. Good to speak to you again this morning. Thank you, Helen. Moving over to you now, Nicola. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Helen.
0: Tell me then quickly, first of all, from the CIO office's perspective, how the latest inflation figures and yesterday's FOMC meeting minutes affect your assessment of the market?
3: Well, obviously, the latest US CPI print was a reality check for the immaculate disinflation view and clearly showed that the process is not a straight line. However, as we heard from David as well, we continue to believe in a further deceleration of US inflation, even though the last mile is likely to prove a bumpy ride. Regarding the Fed, I think it's crucial to keep in mind that rate cuts are not necessarily bullish for the market. It all depends on the reason behind them, of course. The situation is very different if the Fed has to cut rates to mitigate a sharp economic slowdown, or if it cuts rates to normalize its monetary policy stance as it is confident in having made enough progress on the inflation front. In our view, the fact that the Fed may only cut three times instead of four or even six times this year does not really change the outlook for risk assets, unless the Fed cuts rates to counter a recession. But this is not our base case scenario.
0: Let's delve into the equity market then. Um, As we heard from Roman, NVIDIA's shares are set to soar again after yesterday's earnings release. But this continued market dominance by the US big tech companies is starting to worry some market participants. Do you think these worries are justified, Nicola?
3: We have indeed been hearing more and more comparisons between the rise of the Magnificent Seven and the dot-com bubble around the turn of the century. But in our view, these comparisons miss the point completely. At the time of the bursting of the dot-com bubble, the Fed and European Monetary Authorities were cutting interest rates, meaning that the rise in equity prices back then was propelled by extremely generous liquidity injections. In contrast, in 2023, the market soared while central banks continued their most aggressive tightening campaign in history. Additionally, today's equity market rally has been carried by robust earnings and record free cash flow production, particularly among the technology platforms. While traditional valuation metrics, such as forward price-to-earnings ratios, show that the leading dot-com stocks were more than twice as expensive as today's Magnificent Seven stocks, the free cash flow yield was less than half of that of today's market leaders. So in summary. Fundamentals and their resilience in the face of normalized interest rates point to the great quality of the current equity market returns. While a short term consolidation is likely, we expect the secular bull market in equities to continue until year end at least.
0: And let's talk about China quickly before we finish. The government's been announcing new measures to stabilize the economy and the equity market there, but so far with no really meaningful effect. Why do you think that is?
3: Well, as we heard from Roman before, they do have an effect, but mostly in the short term, because I think the Chinese authorities have yet to demonstrate their ability to sustainably stabilize the current situation with effective and appropriately scaled measures. So far, the measures adopted have mainly focused on supporting the production side of the economy without direct fiscal transfers to the private sector to support consumption. Against this backdrop, deflationary pressures continue to build as the economy is still facing a balance sheet recession. As a consequence, China will continue to export disinflation to the rest of the world, and as long as Chinese policymakers continue to treat the symptoms rather than the root cause of their problem, this will continue to be the case.
0: Very good. Thanks very much, Nicola, for joining us this morning.
3: Thank you, Helen.
0: Right. So that's all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow when Lucia Chachulovic will be your host and she'll be talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliaspair.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. For our deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.